Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to talk about the beauty of a recession. What kind of a sick puppy are you, Buffini? Well, I'm going to talk to you about beauty. Beauty in regards to what can happen and what can be good as you strive through and navigate through a recession for your business. W.B. Yeats, the famous Irish poet and artist, his famous line about Ireland was a terrible beauty is born. Coming out of the troubles, here was the beauty of Ireland about to be free. And a beauty is born. And I promise you that there's some changes coming out of a recession. Now, I will say to you, as we look at the world we live in today, from a business standpoint, that's been influenced culturally with young folks that have come into the marketplace, out of college, nose in their phone, COVID, restaurants that were doing delivery service instead of tableside service, and a whole bunch of businesses that became transactional in nature, has overall produced customer service and customer interactions that have become paltry, substandard. And one of the things I do when I talk to groups of young people, I let them know all the time, you love technology. If you're not personable, if you're not service-focused, you will be replaced by technology. I mean, honest to goodness, why wouldn't you want interactive AI instead of some unhelpful person on the phone? I mean, I'd rather be frustrated talking to a machine than frustrated and ticked off talking to an unhelpful person. So I'm going to talk to you about the beauty of a recession because when there's so much money flying around, and I'll give you an example. I have done dozens and dozens and dozens of major construction projects from building homes to commercial buildings, apartment buildings, you name it. I've remodeled them, I've built them, and so on and so forth. And now I grew up in the trades and I still am a blue collar guy. So I think from a blue collar perspective, maybe a little bit too much sometimes, especially when it comes to the type of service that I was asked to provide by my father and grandfather and our, my family and colleagues and workmates. Can you put your name to that? How we were trained to sweep the floor, how we would change the light bulbs and wash the windows at the end of a paint job to show off the paint job, how we were supposed to work in such a way that our customers would tell the friends. I was trained in that, but that wasn't that uncommon. What I can say to you is when you get into markets like this where it's just so hot, there's so much demand. I was involved with a moderate remodel of a brand new ranch house. So we bought a ranch. Our daughter rides all these horses. It's about half the size of our house. So I said, you know what, maybe we'll fix it up. Beverly really got kind of attached to the house. Hey, maybe we'll move into this thing. And I thought, great, this is about a 12-week project. Now, we weren't in a hurry. We live in our house a mile away. This project has gone on for a year. Now, the first four months of it was a basic permit and basic permits, if anybody knows about pulling permits right now, part of the housing problem we have, people trying to do a remodel or build construction, good luck. And in the People's Republic of California, triple good luck. It's taken a year to do a 12-week project. I had two contractors, subcontractors, walk off the job without ever working. People who bid the job, going to show up, waited, 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 finally shows up three weeks late, shows up the morning of the job, 7 o'clock. I wasn't there. My foreman was there. He didn't like the lay of the land, just took off. Now, that's a guy that I've invested in heavily over the years and given him a bunch of work. Now, he will never, the sun will never set on his rear end on a job for me again in his life. 
I've had many of these experiences, and I know you have too. And so what happens in a recession? Let me say this. There's a wake-up call for sloppy businesses. Businesses like that, and the trades are notorious, flying high in April, shot down in May. They're usually great at actually doing the job, although that's really become shaky. If you're in, out there today, I'm not trying to denigrate you if you're in the trades, but if you can show up on time, complete the job within a reasonable amount of time, and charge somewhat connected to what you initially bid, you are in the top 5% of construction people in America today. Today. Anywhere in the world, this is the truth right now. Why? Because they've got so much work, people have so much money, that they're sloppy, don't show up, they start this job, then start that job, then start this job. We've planted 768 trees on our property. The first 100 trees, I was like a 100 grand order. These guys showed up three weeks late. They started the job. They planted 30 of them. They took off, didn't see them for a week or two. Then came back half-hearted, planted the next ones, so on and so forth. I have since bought 650 more trees, but I bought it from their direct competition. And I can give you example after example. This is not grumpy old man here complaining about the kids' music is too loud. I'm just saying this. Service is at an all-time low. Training is at an all-time low. Young people, there's basics, basics that they don't know. And that's why I tell, you know, my, my daughter has a bunch of people over from college and their friends. And, you know, we got into a long conversation the other night, as we always do. Our home's always the place for all these young folks to hang out. And I just said this. You can be more successful today than any time in history, easier than ever before. It is easy to be great now. It is easy to stand out from amongst the competition now. And it takes basics to do it. And so the beauty of a recession is that it clears out all of this garbage. It clears out the junk in the system. It's like getting the liquid plumber when there's a backup. And we've had supply chain issues. And we've had more money than we've had the ability to serve that money, goods and services. And so when a recession comes, that stuff starts to level out. When rates get a little higher, that stuff starts to level out. When all the money that's in the system starts to get spent over time, it starts to level out. The beauty of a recession is three things because it's always three things. It reestablishes the value of a customer, service improves, and businesses become more efficient. So it reestablishes the value of a customer, service improves, and businesses become more efficient. So let's talk about it. In reestablishing the value of a customer, the first thing that happens is, especially in the service side of things, it goes from a transaction to trust. And if you can get back from just doing transactions with people to trust, I just did a service with somebody the other day and spent a lot of money with this person over an extended period of time. But the process has been a pain in the rear end. And here's the thing. This person will get paid, but this person will not get my endorsement. We just had Bill Hampton speak at our event and he just did a $4 million transaction on his home in Tennessee. And he talked about the agent who's a friend of the family. And she got the home sold. They got full price, but he'd never use it again. And more importantly, he's not going to refer her. Why? She did a great transaction, but broke trust. And that is the dynamic of hot markets. And that's why if you're a person right now who wants to really establish a great business, you're focusing on trust. You're reestablishing the value of your customer. Stephen Covey says, when trust is low, it places a hidden tax on every transaction, every communication, every interaction, every strategy, every decision is taxed. John Maxwell said, when you make a commitment, you create hope. When you keep a commitment, you create trust. Beautiful stuff. 
So we need to go from just being transactional to building trust with our customers. What does that mean? Showing up on time, saying what you're going to do, doing what you promised. That's the deal. At the price you said, the terms you said, making sure you listen to the people. I want to build trust with you. How do you build trust in any relationship? Consistency, commitment, care, all of that stuff. Next, it refocuses on how a customer feels. When you're reestablishing the value of a customer, it reestablishes the purpose of how a customer feels about the transaction. Oh, it's not just, oh, I sold my house, therefore I got the money, therefore that's good. It's not good enough. I bought the goods and services. No, the designer had the furniture delivered. It's about how the customer feels. And when they feel a certain way, they'll either go south or north. And oh, by the way, today, because of social media, if a customer goes south, you get reviews. And lately, I've been in a situation, brought a convention to a location, and here were all these negative reviews. Am I like, we're not going there. We're not going there. There's all these negative reviews, and there's so many of them, we can't go there. And so we have to understand how the customer feels. McKinsey & Company did a study and found that 70% of buying experiences are based on how the customer feels they are being treated. How do your customers feel? When the plane is full and the airlines are full, guess what? They don't need to have customer service. We own the commodity, we have the routes, we have the planes, deal with it. However, when the culture of a company says, hey, we want to treat every one of these folks as our guest and we want them all to come back and use our service again and tell their friends, that changes everything. Southwest Airlines, you think about Southwest Airlines, they're the low price leader. You know, they're kind of the Walmart of the skies. But that's not how their customers feel. Southwest Airline passengers are historically, they give the highest marks to the airline. Now, think about it. You don't really get a seat. You don't get an assigned seat. You can prepay to stand in the line a bit earlier. As a business traveler, their flight attendants, their pilots, the way they greet you, the way they handle it, and even in tense situations, they do their best. They're not only the lowest price, but they make people feel good. So guess what? They have tremendous loyalty. And so they were positioned as the People's Express. Remember that? That was the lowest price airline ever out there. No. Greyhound of the sky, their competition used to call them. They whooped their competition because they were true to themselves and true to the culture, treating people well. Salesforce, which is anybody knows technology anymore, Salesforce kind of runs the world these days. And they show that 62% of customers, they share their bad experiences with others. So they'll go north or they'll go south. The last piece in reestablishing the value of a customer is understand the lifetime value of each and every customer. Lifetime value. That philosophy I was raised with wasn't just about doing a great job for the person in front of you. It's that that person could come back and do a paint job with us every year or every other year for the next 40 years. And they might also tell two or three people a year. So the lifetime value of this customer could be instead of one paint job, It might be 40 paint jobs or 50 paint jobs or 100 paint jobs over 40 years. And that's how my family was raised, to think in those terms. This is from the 1940s and 30s and 20s. We were fifth-generation painters and decorators. If you ever take a tour of Buffini Company, you'll see the painting and decorating sign. It hangs in the main lobby of our building. Can you put your name to it? These are things that last a lifetime. Our company is the best in brand by a million miles over our competition, because we still coach every single person as if they're the only one we have. And that was what I asked our coaches to do 26 years ago, and they're still doing it today. So 
What is the lifetime value of your customer? When people think like that, when people are communicated like that, when you are able to teach and communicate and articulate to your staff like that, and when you treat your staff like that, your staff will stay with you longer, your customers will stay with you longer. Edwards Deming, who was a brilliant systemizer, who brought up how to be efficient and effective and understand the value of providing excellence in manufacturing in the automobile industry, the Detroit Big Three, they kicked him out of town. They said, we don't need your stuff. They had almost a total monopoly on the U.S. car business in the 60s and 70s. Well, actually, it went on from the 40s through the 70s. So they rejected the teaching of Edwards Deming, and he went to Japan and revolutionized the Japanese automobile business, which in turn came back and absolutely owned the U.S. car business and turned cities like Detroit into a wasteland. Why? Because he understood the lifetime value of a customer. He understood that just because you have a ton of business doesn't mean you're going to keep a ton of business. Things change. Let me say this. Right now, there's a lot of money chasing too few goods and services. That's why there's so much inflation. But this too shall pass. This too shall change. And it's one of the beauties of a recession. Edwards Deming said, profit in business comes from repeat customers. Customers that boast about your product or service and that brings their friends with them. That's what he talked about 50 years ago. And that's still true today. So the beauty of a recession, it reestablishes the value of a customer. We go from a transaction to trust, refocus on how a customer feels, and understand the lifetime value of a customer. Next, service improves. Service improves. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The basics are now awesome. Remember the Lego movie? Everything is awesome. If your business does the basics and you teach your staff to do the basics now, you are awesome. The basics. Fundera's study found that 80% of customers are willing to pay more for a better customer experience. Here's the basics. Here's what's now awesome. Look someone in the eye. Smile. Listen. Thank someone for their business. How about in the, if you're in the service business, you write a personal note. I tell young people all the time, everywhere I go every day, okay, I have a couple of hundred employees. I'm always looking for talent. Every day, I interview four to five people who don't know they're being interviewed. Every single day, I interview four to five people who do not have a clue. They just failed an interview. They might be working at a Starbucks. They might be working at Chipotle, some customer service. I had a young man come by the other day, and this guy is precise. He is efficient. He texts me. He follows up. Mr. Buffini, have you thought about this? By the way, as I've gone on in this relationship, I've bought more and more stuff from him. Why? Because he keeps building trust. Hey, you might want to consider this. I can install this 24-inch log set, but this might look better with 36 inches. Go for it. By the way, have you considered we could blacken out all these exterior fire pits you have? Oh, we can do that. Over time, I've done more and more business with him, more and more business with him. The other day, I took his information and I handed him off to my brother, the CEO of the company. And I said, I don't know what positions we have available in the company, but this guy's worth a look. This guy's worth a look. Why? He's exceptional at the fundamentals. Looks you in the eye, follows up, on time, efficient, communicates. I'm trying to give him a job. Why? Because I'm looking for great people at Buffini Company. I would love my customers to be treated that way. And we've hired people and trained people at Buffini Company to treat people that way. And when people want to know, hey, when the last recession hit, there were 27 coaching companies. And by the end of the recession, there was two left. 
and you were 10 times the size of the other one that survived. How did you guys do that? The reason we did it is we have ferociously loyal customers because we're ferociously committed to their service. And that's why we survived and thrived and came out of the recession of 07, 08 that went on for years and years in real estate because of that. The basics are now awesome. If a young person is listening to this or you can hand this to a young person, they're coming out of college, they're a millennial, they're looking to move up a job. And if they can do the basics, they will kill it. Just do the basics. It's amazing. Here's the next thing about service improving is what are the mints on the pillow experience? Just those unexpected extras. Now, if you go to season one of our podcast, I did an entire program on unexpected extras and just the little things you can do, the mints on the pillow experience and the little things you can do to make things exceptional, to get people talking, to make people feel a certain way. Now, one caveat is in order to do the mints on the pillows, you got to do the basics, right? It's built on the basics are now awesome. A great example of this is I've just stayed at a pretty expensive hotel a couple of months back with my bride. And we had our grandkids with us. So every day we were grabbing little plates of food, right? The kids are kind of snacking all the time. So we had little plates of food in our hotel room. We had a big suite, paying a lot of money. So every day they left little candies or chocolates in the shape of a heart. Now, the first day they left it right there on the bed. It was very nice. But the little plates of food that I had for the grandkids that I'd piled up into a nice little organized thing and left on this table, the plates of food were still there. So now they're starting to smell a little bit. So I put them out in the hallway. Next day, they were still there. (laughs) Next day, the room's made up. A couple more plates of food. More chocolates in the shape of a heart on the bed. Now I'm getting annoyed by the mints on the pillow because the basics weren't done. Now, if the basics are done and the little chocolate's in the shape of a heart on your bed, now you're thinking, isn't that cool? Isn't that great? So you got to do the fundamentals. Then you build upon the fundamentals. The unexpected extras. The first thing you got to do is the expected norms. You got to do those well. And if you do the unexpected extras on top of them, man, you kill it. And then the last thing is, you know, with service improves, the goal is to create advocates. You know, I, I always tell people that Walt Disney was in the referral business. And his quote was, and one of my favorite of his was, do what you do so well that people will want to see it and bring their friends again. So very, very powerful. So how does service improve? The basics are now awesome. What are your mints on the pillow? And then create advocates. Then the third major part here is business becomes more efficient. Business becomes more efficient. As businesses become more efficient, I, I, like I said, the last time I entered into a major recession, I told my staff, recession's a terrible thing to waste. And at that time, our company was built for a certain type of, we did events, we did coaching, and that's all we had. And coming out of the recession, we had a completely diversified product line, completely diversified price point, and completely diversified how we met and interacted with customers. We used to, everything was funneled through an event. Now the events were like 5% of how we met our customers. Because a recession was a terrible thing to waste. If you, if you go through pain, like, you know, Winston Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. But you got to learn. You got to learn from your mistakes. George Patton said, I hate paying for the same real estate twice. What do you mean? We just fought a battle to win this two miles a square footage here. I don't want to pay for it again. And in his case, the price was in blood. Businesses become more efficient. One of the ways to do that is re-examine your business model. Author Scott Anthony says, most companies are built to execute today's business model, not discover tomorrow's. So this is where you get a chance as you go through these recessions, you go through these changes in the marketplace, 
to think outside the box and look at your business with a fresh set of eyes. Where are the efficiencies? How could you change your model? Very, very important. Next, re-examine your methods. So you have your model, but you also have your methodology. Well, this is how we've always done it. I run into this. We're a 26-year-old business. I run into this all the time. Well, this is how we've always done it. Why, why is that a phrase that's even used? Because it's dealing with the person's personal security. This is my job. This is what I do. This is where I have my confidence. So therefore, anything that's innovative threatens that. So this is how we've always done it here. But the world is moving at this extraordinary light speed pace. And the world's changing. So you want to hang on to that? What people, when they hang on to a job like that and find their identity in it like that, they don't even realize they're clinging on to the lifeboat that has a hole in it. You've got to innovate. So you've got to re-examine not only your model, but then your methods. John Maxwell said, the person who insists on using yesterday's methods in today's world won't be in business tomorrow. Great quote. The person who insists on using yesterday's methods in today's business world won't be in business tomorrow. Richard Branson said, we experiment endlessly with new products, new methods, new companies, new marketing. Ideas are the lifeblood of a business. Now, again, you take an idea, you isolate it, you test it, you try it out, you give it life, you get everybody on board, and then you go run with it, okay? And then you got to build for the future. You got to build for the future. As your business becomes more efficient, you got to build for the future. An American computer scientist who had a great series of quotes from Alan Clay said, the only way you can predict the future is to build it. And I love that because it's, I'm not waiting for this to happen. I'm not in fear of what might change in the future. I'm actually going to proactively happen to the future instead of have the future happen to me. Franklin Roosevelt said, we cannot always build a future for our youth, but we can build our youth for the future which is bringing people along, bringing people along. So we've talked about a lot of things here today. Ultimately, it's the beauty of a recession. A recession's a terrible thing to waste. I don't believe the recession we're entering into is going to be catastrophic. I don't believe it's going to be as deep and dark as recessions we've had in recent history. But there will be some difficulties. And most of all, there's a great opportunity, a great opportunity to reestablish the value of a customer, for service to improve, and then for business to become more efficient. And rather than wait for all that to change, I'm making the commitment right now. I can tell you right now. Inside Buffini Company, they're going to hear this drumbeat over and over and over again. And we have always maintained the value of our customers and the lifetime value of our customers. But people are going to hear more and more and more, especially with newer people joining our company, the value of our customers, the value of our customers. Next, what can we do to improve our service? And I'm looking at all kinds of things from technologies, interaction, the way people want to be served, how they want to be served. Things keep changing. And then lastly, businesses become more efficient. And that's where it's process, methods, technology, all that becomes more efficient. So again, a terrible beauty is born. I believe there's some beautiful opportunities coming with this recession. Service is going to be appreciated. People who are committed to it are going to stand out from amongst the competition. There will be more referrals, more endorsements for people who actually do business this way. And uh, the competition is going to struggle because, as Warren Buffett says, you don't know until the tide goes out who's swimming naked. And there's a whole bunch of businesses right now swimming naked. They feel like the demand they're experiencing, it's always going to be there. Some of those same tradespeople that have left me hanging in the last six months are going to be people who don't have enough work a year from now. They're off my list, not out of vindictiveness or not out of spite but out of, I can't trust you. I can't trust you. And I sure as heck, I'm not going to refer you. 
So I can't endorse you either. So I can't, not only can I not use you myself, I can't endorse you. And that's what happens when the tide goes out. And the tide going out is the beauty of a recession. You find out who's swimming naked. So let's do this. Make sure you got your swim trunks on. Make sure you're taking great care of your customers. Make sure your service needs to improve and make sure your business becomes more efficient. Hopefully this has been helpful for you. Hopefully uh, you're looking at this recession with different eyes. You're not scared. You're not nervous. You realize this is an opportunity and you're going to take advantage of it. I intend to do it for myself, for my company, and I intend to do it for all the people we coach and serve and train. And uh, I hope you're on that train with us as we help you grow into the future. So thanks for joining me today. And I'm going to leave you with a little Irish blessing from my favorite little Irish gal, Therese Buffini. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 